Greetings and welcome to the Audio Tidbits Podcast Network. We hope you enjoy the show. Is your family at risk? The simple answer is yes. There are many events and circumstances that could lead to bad outcomes for you and yours such as illnesses, a severe economic downturn, accidents, becoming the victims of criminal activity, and you can add to the list. These are bad outcomes you cannot always prevent but can usually control. Medical checkups, saving for a rainy day, smoke alarms in your house, and keeping your car locked are examples of steps you probably take to control these bad outcomes. Your family also is at risk because of bad outcomes you cannot control. A member of your family could fall to a fatal illness you could not have anticipated or prevented. You or one of yours could become a victim of a violent crime that normal prudence could not avoid. There are bad outcomes over which you have no control. Therein lies the source of old sayings such as that's life and stuff happens. There is another type of bad outcome you can at least influence and can usually control. You see your three-year-old running toward a busy street. You see the bad outcome coming and are able to stop her. Your seventh grader is not doing as well as usual in math. You talk with his teacher, help him some yourself, and make sure he is actually doing his homework. His math scores improve. You realize you have been more irritable than usual, have been snapping at everyone for little to no reason, and are feeling frustrated a lot. You talk about your feelings with your spouse and change how a couple of things are scheduled. This helps. Here is a key to understanding. The risk is the bad outcome, what you predict will happen if you do not do something. The risk is not your child's running toward the street. The risk is her getting hit by a car if you do not get her to stop. Your 7th grader's risk is not his having problems with math today. Rather the risk is he will be unable to succeed in math and in areas requiring math in the future. The risk is not today, it is down the road somewhere. The idea is to anticipate tomorrow's problems today. To the extent you can do this, those problems are less likely to happen. As you think about your family and possible bad outcomes, you can see your family is at risk in many ways. For your help in controlling or at least reducing the risk, there is an army of experts on almost everything, scores of books and articles on topics from nutrition to automobile safety, and no end to those who want to tell you what to do and how to live. Our discussion here is an exception to the general rule. I am not attempting to tell you what to do nor presuming to tell you how to live. Rather, I introduce you to several people and their at-risk families. Your task is to identify today's problems, think about how they put the families at risk, determine what the -the down-the-road risk is, and develop your ability to predict what kinds of bad outcomes they are headed toward. Through this process, you develop insight into what the families would have to do now to prevent or at least control those bad outcomes. My goal is simply to enable you to develop insight, understanding, and skills as an observer of at-risk families. All happy families resemble one another. Every unhappy family is unhappy in its own way. Leo Tolstoy. Your family is like other families in many ways. It has its ups and downs, strengths and vulnerabilities, its problems and opportunities. Your family is not perfect nor is it without its moments of perfection. As is true for other families, Yours is somewhere between what you hope it can be and what you sometimes fear it might become. Buddha expressed the tension of hope and fear like this. A family is a place where minds come in contact with one another. If these minds love one another the home will be as beautiful as a flower garden.
but if these minds get out of harmony with one another it is like a storm that plays havoc with the garden. Tolstoy's happy family, Buddha's beautiful flower garden, and your hope symbolize the potential for harmony and well-being for you and yours. Within this potential also lies the risk of unhappiness, disharmony, and havoc. Your challenge is to conscientiously manage that risk. The first step in managing the risk is to see that signs of risk can be overlooked or misinterpreted. Here is the key to understanding. Your family is you, your spouse or other adults, and your children and the relationships you have with each other. The idea is no more complicated than that. How is each person in your family getting along? Is each relationship usually positive and supportive or are there problems? The difficulties of each family member and their relationship troubles are signs your family is at risk. As you read the following vignettes, see if anyone in your family is somewhere in the picture, even if only a little. Restlessness and not being able to relax are the first signs of stress. Your baby is a little more fussy than usual for no obvious reason. Toddlers and preschoolers have more trouble getting along with each other. Younger children are irritable, cannot find anything to do, and expect you to give them all your attention. Your teen is in a mood but either will not or cannot tell you what is wrong. You do not care, and wish people would just leave you alone. Part of you wants to fix it and the other part wishes they would all disappear. You cannot concentrate on anything or anyone. Your thoughts are jumbled, and you are uptight and frustrated. Your uneasiness will not go away. You are afraid and angry at the same time, and if you get control of it or them or yourself, you think you will feel better. Others in your family are having trouble too. They are unhappy. You cannot quite put your finger on why but know all is not well. They are preoccupied and unhappy with everyone and everything, and nothing you or anyone else does helps. Stress is taking its toll. You are anxious, frustrated, and resent people who are so overly sensitive and touchy. Stress wraps around you and is hard to shake off, whatever you do, wherever you go. Fear and resentment, anger and frustration are just there. Maybe you know why, but probably not. Stress exhausts you. You are not losing the struggle but are not quite winning either. The outcome is anyone's guess. If you had a crystal ball telling you everyone will be fine, you would be okay. Even better to know it will not take very long. You would settle for being short will not get worse. Not knowing, not having control, and fearing even less control are at the heart of your family's stress. You are a little uptight or perhaps your fear overwhelms you. You are irritable or maybe your anger is nearing an explosion. You are tired or on the verge of collapsing. Whether a little or a lot, stress is scary, frustrating, and draining. Get a good night's sleep. You will feel better in the morning. This sounds like good advice. You may still be uptight and frustrated but at least you will not be so exhausted. Here is the catch. If you get to sleep, stress awakens you and does not let you go back to sleep. At times, you cannot get to sleep at all. Whether you cannot sleep or are awake listening to your spouse or your child toss and turn, stress has come to live with you and your family. Stress also causes bad dreams and nightmares. Bad things happen. The world is strange. In your dreams, you may do weird things, more bizarre than anything you ever thought about. Your dream lets you know how out of control you feel down deep inside. Stress keeps you on edge. Headaches, an upset stomach, and generally not feeling well may be caused by stress. Other problems might be the cause, but stress is often the culprit. 
Crying very easily or times when you cannot stop crying also are signs your stress is getting out of hand. Loosing your temper quickly and easily or getting angry about things that normally do not bother you are certain signs of too much stress and too little control. Is stress getting the upper hand in your family? Here is the fact of it. Problem stress is not a condition your family has and others avoid. Stress gets the best of all families on some days and threatens to pull the family apart at times. The question is whether you recognize your family's stress, see what it can do and is doing, and whether you manage it successfully or let it do you in. Kim felt restless and could not get herself to calm down. She tried to listen but could not concentrate on what her mother was saying to her. She was feeling the start of a headache. The past few nights, she had tossed and turned for an hour or two before falling asleep. Last night, she woke up several times and it seemed to take forever for her to go back to sleep. Waking up was not so bad, but the bad dreams upset her and kept her from going back to sleep. She could not get them off her mind. Between her headache and feeling tired, there was no way she could pay attention to her mother. Calm down Kim told herself. I think I'm going to be sick. She thought her nausea was because of something she ate but the more upset she got, the worse it got. Don't start crying again. I've got to get out of here she screamed to herself as she turned and ran out of the room. You do not do well enough and should do better. You worry about not being a good parent, not keeping up with family responsibilities, not living up to the expectations of others, and a myriad of other minor to major, trivial to important things. Your child frets about failing, not being accepted by peers, not doing well in sports and other activities, or messing everything up. Your spouse expects to be fired or passed over at work. You are a failure and will never succeed. Self-esteem is an important ingredient in trying new things, taking a chance, working on difficult problems, and hanging in there when the going gets rough. It is your little voice saying, you can do it, you will succeed. When your self-esteem is low, your little voice's message changes. Expecting to succeed changes to expecting to fail. You do not start new projects or try new things. You will not venture out because things will turn out badly anyway. Why bother? If you do try, you quit at the first obstacle. When the going gets tough, you throw in the towel. For you, low self-esteem is more than fearing failure and giving up too easily. You think you are not attractive and have serious doubts about yourself sexually. Your children think they will never be as good as others their age. Your adolescent's normal self-doubt becomes a chronic sense of not fitting in and being a developmental reject who will never have friends and never be part of the group. You do not like yourself and believe others share your bad opinion of you. I'm sorry, is something you say a lot. If something bad happens or things do not work out, it is your fault. Just being you is reason enough to apologize. You put yourself down and can point out a thousand reasons why people do not like you and are just tolerating you. You might as well say how it is with you. It is true, and others are having the same thoughts about you anyway. If you do not fit in, you do not fit in. That is the way it is. That is the way you are. You believe you are not an important part of your family. You do not belong there or anywhere else for that matter. You are not someone others love, others can love, others want to love. Why? It is obvious, and anyone who tells you it is not true is lying, is just trying to be nice. Why would anyone try to be nice to you? You honestly believe you are not worth the bother. What am I doing here? 
I should have just stayed home. I don't belong here. I don't fit in. I don't fit in anywhere, Richard thought as he stood by himself watching the party. He wanted to join a cluster of young people talking in the kitchen but was afraid. Even if they let me join in, I will mess up. I will just say something dumb or do something stupid and they will laugh at me. That would be worse than just standing here by myself. He had told himself he would do better this time. This time he was going to act like he had as much of a right to be there as anyone else. This time he would not just stand around and watch everyone have a good time. If I were just bigger and did not look so weird I'd be fine. I'd have friends and fit in. Later that night, Richard was alone in his room. He had left the party after a half hour or so, and no one even noticed. Why doesn't anyone want me around? Even my family doesn't want me. What family? That's a good joke, my so-called family. What's wrong with me? He sat in his chair staring off into space feeling awful. I should have known better. I should have known it would turn out like that. It always does. I was stupid like usual, he felt the tears as he turned off the light and got into bed. It's always going to be this way. No one will ever care. Why should they? I don't care either. You are lost and at a loss about what to do. Your sense of who you are is gone. The center of your world, what made your life worthwhile is not there and is not going to return. Now you have no center, no reason for living. Your pain, despair, and loneliness are too great, more than you can stand, more than you want to stand. You do not want to die so much as you just cannot go on living like this. It has to end. You no longer matter. Whether you are here or not does not make enough difference to suffer through. Why are you so devastated? Did you lose your spouse, your job, your child, your best friend? Did things turn out so lousy you cannot stand it? Did life do you in so badly you have to get out? Did you mess up so much you would rather be dead than face up to it? Is the prospect of living in your world so bad that being dead is better? Is being you something even you cannot keep doing? No one understands or wants to understand. It is worse. If anyone took the time, if you let them understand, they would agree. You need to be dead. You think about it a lot. You are not crazy. You have thought about it and thought about it. You know how you will do it. You will do it right this time. Here is how it is. You have lost control of yourself and your life. You cannot handle the prospect of going on the way it is and can do nothing to change it. You are powerless to help yourself. At least you can control whether you live or die. You have to choose to die. Things had been going from bad to worse for Holly for several months. It started when her brother, Steve, died in a car wreck. He was her best buddy when they were not arguing. Steve was the only person in her life she could talk with about things that really mattered. He just listened and thought she was pretty. Holly knew she would never get over Steve's leaving her, but could have handled that and maybe even the stuff with her stepfather. At least she did not have to worry about dealing with that filthy man anymore. Thank God he finally left. Things got worse though. She finally got up her nerve to try out for cheerleader and now wished she never had to go to school again. The competition was a disaster. She had thought it might be different in this school. I should have left well enough alone. It does not get you many friends, but being the best math student in the school should have been enough. She could hardly stop shaking inside when she thought about her tryout, and that was only a thousand times a day. 
The competition had been in front of everyone at a pep rally. It started out well enough until Holly's turn. Not only did she forget the words to the cheer, she fell into the pep band while trying to make a jump. If hurting herself had not been bad enough, she also felt like the joke of the school. Weeks after the competition, and when she knew it could not get worse, it did. A new boy in school moved in on her one special place, math. Not only was he a math whiz, everyone liked him, including the math teacher. Her teacher saying, being the second best math student in the school, is nothing to feel badly about, only made her feel worse. There is nothing special about me. At least Steve thought I was pretty and now he is dead. It was all too much. Holly's world was out of control. Being dead would be a relief. There is no way out. I can't stand this. I've got to do something to stop the pain. I just want out. Your mood jumps from one extreme to the other. You neither understand nor have any way to stop it. You have been depressed before, but this is like nothing anyone can imagine. It is a blackness beyond belief. You feel as if you are drowning in an emotional pit with no bottom. The force is pulling you down. The harder you try to get out, the further down you fall. It is governing you. There is no light, no way out. There is no accounting for falling into the pit or for getting out, but you do get out. You can feel the high times coming. They are not good for you or your family, but here they come. You are a winner. Your special powers and abilities are coming back. There is no end to your energy. You can take on the world, and whatever you do turns to gold. You can think better, talk faster, and the sky is the limit. Everything you say is funny, every idea you have will work. You are smarter and more clever than anyone. If you think it, you say it. If you feel like it, you do it. They say you are sick but they do not understand. If they knew how good it feels, they would never try to bring you down. Are you fat? You think you are. But whether you are is not the point. You have to control your appearance. You have to get to where you look good to you. Do you watch what you eat and stay on a sensible diet? Do you avoid fattening foods? All that works for other people but not for you. You have to keep at it 24 hours a day. You cannot make yourself completely stop eating but you try. People say you are too thin and are not healthy. They are just trying to get you to eat. It's not true. You need to lose just a little more and you will look normal. You pretend you are not interested in food and eating. It could not be further from the truth. You think about food, get food for others, hide food, and carry food around to prove to yourself you are in control. If you slip, no problem. A few laxatives or a good vomit and you are back in control. But there are times when you save up. You carefully hoard your supply and eat it all at once. It is a binge such as the world has never seen. If anyone knew you ate it all, they would think you are crazy. Maybe you are. You wonder if they are right. Do you trust people? Of course you do not trust everyone. Come to think about it, you do not trust anyone. You do not even always trust the people you sometimes trust. Anyone will turn on you. The truth is everyone will do you in if it serves their purposes. People are that way. It is human nature. Mistrusting is not the half of it. If anyone knew the kinds of thoughts and feelings you are really having, well, you believe they would think you are quite weird. You think you are weird. You know you are weird. Not really. The truth is it is all true. The thoughts and ideas you are having are true whether anyone believes you. People are trying to poison you. The coded messages are there every night on the TV news. They thought you do not know but you do. 
You try to tell them but they will not listen, will not believe. It is not surprising. They never believed the seventh son of the seventh son of the tribe of Dan of the Dins and the Duns and a direct descendant of the divine. A prophet in his own time is always scorned and turned away. You are afraid. It is there and never goes away. What are you afraid of? What do you think will happen? It is not like being afraid of someone or something. You are just afraid. Sometimes it is less. It can almost go away if you are at home, if you are in your room. Even then, there are times. The panic takes you, controls you. You are dizzy. You cannot breathe. You are going to pass out. You wish you could pass out. You wish you could die. You are almost all right so long as you stay away from crowds, do not go out, are not by yourself. No, you are not all right but it is not as bad as the panic and fear, the painful, terrifying fear. You know something is wrong with you. There is something very wrong. The doctor says you are neurotic. Your family thinks you are crazy. Maybe you are crazy. You know you are not crazy but there is something badly wrong. You have to do something, take something to keep the panics away. The voice says you have to do something. It is not really there but it is. It says bad things to you, calls you bad names, tells you to do bad things. It is not always there but is real, is not a dream. It is telling you to hurt someone. You have to do it. You cannot refuse. The voice tells you to look. It is true, it is the devil. You must keep him away. He is in your cup, and if you drop it, the devil will be loose on the world. You must kill evil people. You must keep the devil in the cup and kill evil. You have been chosen to protect the world. Barbara tried to think about the question her doctor just asked and then said, What? I don't know what is wrong with me. I don't think I heard what you said. She got up and started walking around the office as she continued, I just feel weird. It is like laughing and crying at the same time. It is like someone else is controlling me and playing tricks. Sue, another girl in the group, said, you should see her at school. I don't know what her problem is but she sure isn't normal. She isn't anything like she used to be. The doctor asked Sue to talk some more about what she had observed. She went on to describe the changes in Barbara. It is like she gets really high and nothing bothers her. The next time you see her, she is really down and will hardly talk. Later Barbara was again talking. I get so afraid I cannot stand it. It's like someone is talking to me, telling me these awful, bad things are going to happen. It says really bad things to me, she turned to face the wall and continued, I know. I know what's going to happen. No. I will. She then went back to her chair and refused to talk anymore. Sometimes you wish you could, but you cannot come out and say, Oh, I thought you knew. I have learning problems. I have trouble understanding and cannot learn easily. Many things are difficult for me. No, you have to cover them up. It has got into the point you do not understand, do not know why you have problems, if you ever understood or ever knew. You have trouble making choices and most decisions are more than you can handle. I'll probably say it wrong, often is your reply when asked what you think about most anything, if you reply at all. It seems to you everyone else understands what they see on TV, read in the paper, or hear from the neighbors or at the store. You see, read, and hear, but much of it makes little sense to you. You have the same problem when your doctor tells you what is wrong with your child and what you need to do. It is the same with teachers, the person you got to fix your car, notices you get in the mail, and the call you got today having something to do with your insurance. Other people understand and do what needs to be done. If you understood, knew what needs to be done, you would do it. 
at least, you would try. You do try. You try and try, but trying and then trying harder does not help. It is frustrating and very confusing. Usually, you do not have any problems. Things go along all right. There is no accounting for it. You can do some things very well and others hardly at all. Even worse, you do something fine for a while and then mess it up. You forget to do something or do not remember an important step. You do not quite follow the directions or instructions. There is the problem. You do not pay enough attention, take it seriously enough. You are not careful. That is it in a nutshell. At least that is what they tell you, have always told you. Why not ask people to explain things better? Why not ask someone to help you? Why not get someone to check things you do to be sure you have them right? No chance, you say. You are not about to give them the opportunity to point out how dumb you are. You already know you cannot learn well, cannot do things well. You do not need anyone rubbing your nose in it. Anyway, you have tried all that and you still have trouble, still mess things up. What is the use? On and on it goes. It is no different than when you were a kid. School was a joke. The ones who got all the help, all the attention were the ones who did not need it anyway. The smart kids were teachers' little joys. There was no way you could be one of those. You spent most of your time getting yelled at, getting into trouble, and sitting in the hall. They all had it in for you. It is no wonder you quit cooperating and trying to get along a long time ago. No more than you went to school, it did not matter much anyway. If pouting and being hard to live with are Olympic sports, you deserve a gold medal. Even that would not be all that bad. But you get so hateful and are in such a bad mood so much of the time, no one can stand to live with you. It takes nothing to get you in one of your moods and your temper is frightening. Having to have your own way is not the half of it. You take it out on everyone else no matter how hard they try. You just get off on having people bow down to you. They might handle your screaming and yelling, but when you start throwing and breaking things, everyone wants to get away from you. If they are unlucky enough not to get away, you hit them and really hurt them. It is hard for them to believe you think they start the fights, but you think everything is someone else's fault. According to you, you never start anything. You are perfect. The truth is you are a bully who picks on people to give you an excuse to be cruel. You are not happy until someone is hurting and suffering. What is wrong? You have lost interest in everyone and everything. You always had trouble making friends, but you are drifting away from the few friends you do have. Whoever came up with the idea of friends growing apart had you in mind. It is like you are going out of your way to avoid being close to anyone. You are only interested in things you can do by yourself, and even that is not all that interesting. If you are interested, no one can tell. You will not talk about anything, especially about what is wrong. You are hard to understand. It seems like you have to keep anyone you are close to all to yourself. It is not exactly like being jealous. It is like they're paying attention to anyone else hurts your feelings. That is not all that new. You often get your feelings hurt, but not having all of someone's attention really gets you down. When people confront you about smothering them, you get nervous and uptight. It seems to them like you think they should feel guilty about saying anything to you. Overwhelming people with closeness is not the end of it. Whatever they say or do, you do not say anything back. You will not stick up for yourself, no matter what. You try to please everyone and keep them happy all the time. For them, it is like having a puppy hanging on them. It is hard for them to get angry with you, but they get to where they cannot stand you. You think they do not like you. They like you but cannot handle so much of you all the time. 
It is not clear who you think you are. You act like rules were made for everyone but you. Others have to behave in acceptable ways, but you can do whatever you want. You do not think you have to listen to anyone. No one is going to tell you what to do or how to act. You will drive however you want, do whatever with whomever you choose, and to hell with everyone else. No, there is nothing wrong with you. If people think there is, they only need to ask you. They will get set straight very quickly. It is perfectly normal to drink so much. You can handle your liquor. Having a few beers is just part of being in your group. Your friends are just like you, and anyone can see they are fine. You do not do drugs much. Just a few times a week to be sociable, but you are too smart to get into trouble with the hard stuff. People make too much of a big deal out of it anyway. You are an adult and what you do with your life is no one's business but yours. Your family cannot depend on you and no one trusts you much, but so what? You usually get to work and they should be grateful for what you do get around to doing for them. If you were a bum, you would have left a long time ago. You are not one of those people who walks out on your family and responsibilities. If they get upset and feel hurt, it is their problem. You have enough to worry about without getting all sloppy over a few tears. You were fired a few times and had a run-in or so with the police. No big deal. You did not do anything all that bad. Everyone else does the same things. It was just your bad luck to get caught. You will be fine. You always find another job or get off. If there was anything so wrong with you, no one would hire you, and you would not keep getting off when the cops get on your back. They just like to act like big deals anyway. They like having everyone afraid of them. But you are certainly not afraid of anyone. You do not care what others in your family think or what they think they need. What they feel about things is not important, at least not important to you. What they need is their problem, and all that matters is what you say matters. If they would spend more time doing what you tell them and less time whining, you would all be better off. If they just did half of what you expect, you would not get so down on them. All they care about is themselves and their problems, as if they had any problems that mattered. If they had to live your life for a day they would understand what it is like to have real problems. They drive you up the wall. All the fighting and arguing are too much. If they got what they deserved, they would really have something to complain about. They are just lucky they are not dead. If you were one of those people who gets out of control, they would be dead. It is no wonder you drink. They drive you to it. Besides, you will not put up with anyone trying to tell you what you can or cannot do in your own home. If they do not get off your back, they will find out how well they get along with a few less teeth. You have heard about all you are going to take from them. You will teach them a thing or two about what it means to show respect. Kelly was 11 the first time she remembered the night visitor coming. Her mother was drinking and so was the visitor. Kelly was asleep the first time he came but was awake when he came after that. She learned to know when he was coming. At first, it seemed like part of her dream, something from the depth of her fears. She started to yell, to twist away, but his hand was over her mouth and he was twisting her leg and pulling off her nightshirt. What does he want? What is he doing? Don't be afraid my little kitten, my little wild cat. I won't hurt you if you play with me. We are just playing and it is our secret. She heard her clothes rip and tasted his blood as she bit into his hand. He twisted her harder and shoved more on her face. The pain and fear froze her and he gradually let her loose. Now both hands of the visitor were over her body and hurting her down there. What was he doing? He smells bad. That was her last thought. She must have passed out, 
because when she woke up it was morning and she heard and she smelled bad, and where was mommy? It was hard for Kelly to open her eyes, hard to sit up on the edge of her bed, hard to face the fear, knowing he was still there, but he was not. The sun through her window was bright, her school papers were still neatly laying on her desk, her clothes were just as she had carefully laid them out on the chair the night before, her toys with which she seldom played were in their places on the shelf by her closet and arranged just right in the toy box, and she was still Kelly. No that's not quite right. She would never be Kelly again, at least not the same innocent Kelly she was just the night before. Music by Kevin McLeod.